Hello, uh, this is Paul. I'm here with my good friend Tommy, and we appreciate you tuning in. This podcast, we're starting out um, as friends who have known each other for a while and have had uh, a number of really, really good and, and deep conversations. Um, and we thought you might be interested in tuning in to listen to some of them, learn something, and maybe have some takeaways for your own life. How's it going, so, Paul? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. How are you, Tommy? I'm doing wonderful, and I'm uh, excited to chat, do a little introduction about ourselves, and uh, maybe talk about the state of the internet. State of the internet. So that's kind of what we're going to be talking about here with, with this first episode. Tell me about yourself, Tommy. What's your elevator pitch? Well, I went to the University of Akron, and I graduated with a chemical engineering degree. Sheesh. Uh, you must be one of those smart kids. No, no, not at all. My coach used to tell me that I had a 4.0 in school and an 0.4 in life. To me, what I understood from that was maybe the common sense wasn't fully there. Sometimes I can uh, make an ass out of myself. But yeah, I, I have a math and science background, and you know that's that's just a little bit about me. And what I'll I'll also give my background. But what made you interested at first in getting into podcasting? Well, I've I've maybe uh, ran my hand at it a few times and uh, failed. COVID kind of hit right in the middle of when I wanted to start it up and trying to do in-person conversations and, you know, try and have longer conversations. I mean, I was inspired by Joe Rogan and uh, Daryl Davis. Daryl Davis is a black man who talked with KKK members and wanted to seek to understand why they would hate someone without even knowing them. And so that idea, you know, as he was able to change the minds of people that hated him for no reason, uh, kind of stuck out to me, you know, being able to hear other perspectives and, and try and think through things, right? And maybe, maybe don't act with emotion immediately. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. You actually are not the, the first person to bring up Daryl Davis to me this year, which is pretty funny and incredible. Um, that's one of the most amazing stories I've ever heard of I, I don't remember the number it was something like 80 kkk members that he ended up getting to renounce their um uh i don't know what you would call that their their uh, membership to the kkk the, yeah, yeah their membership thank you to the kkk quite a quite an amazing story um but so, yeah similarly to you uh background for me is the the university of akron and uh, i did a biomedical engineering degree it's where we met and we were on a, a sports team together yeah, like I said, I mean, it was it was just a lot of fun. And you actually weren't really necessarily super committed to that sports team, so you were kind of here sometimes and then, and then <laughs> not there sometimes. But um, every time, you know, we had a long car ride or even just, you know, I'd be like, hey, Tommy, what's going on, man? Why aren't you showing up? Uh, the The conversations were always very real, and I always appreciated that with you, uh, which was a lot of fun. Um, but actually, it's, it's interesting now. But like you said, doing in-person podcasts is hard. So um, we both were in the Akron area a couple of years ago, but now you've moved on and, and moved out of state for the company. And I've moved um, about as far as you can staying in state. Um, <laughs> and so it is uh, pretty awesome that we have the technological ability to have conversations with each other and plan to have conversations with each other uh, from across the country very regularly and uh, be able to get this content out to everyone without, I mean, 
it's been quite a while since I've seen you, man, in person, and <laughs> For sure. it probably will still be a, a little while. It's uh, it's an interesting point you bring up the technological advances. Uh, the only reason I pivot and stop is, you know, I don't know that many people really understand or are grateful for what we have. This ability to have all the information that we want at our fingertips, to be able to learn almost anything you want through the internet, or, you know, to be able to conversate, uh, to be able to watch people have conversations. It's, uh, we live in a truly fantastic time. Yeah, it's very true. I had a a buddy bring that up kind of apropos to nothing today about, hey, do, do you ever realize how valuable YouTube is? I mean, you can find out how to do about anything in the world by watching someone else do it on YouTube right now. Um, and that's, yeah, the the technological advances. And I, I think what um, you and I will be interested in talking about in the future potentially is uh, some of the not necessarily dangers, but just how these advances will continue with Web3 and everything everybody's talking about with the metaverse. Um, those developments will, again, be a, a pretty huge paradigm shift. Um, and it's, it's going to be quite challenging, I think, for a lot of people. I completely agree. So, uh, Paul, what are we doing here? That's a great question. If, if you're clicking on this uh, podcast... I assume since it's the first one, maybe you either got sent this by a friend or uh, one of us directly. Um, you're saying Brace. Well, what's Brace? What's this podcast title? Well, we talked for a while about what type of content we really wanted to uh, provide for you guys. And, and, and we kept kind of going back and forth between two categories. One was the book reviews. We wanted to uh, continue to learn and grow our library of, of the different things that we've we've read and consumed and applied to our own lives. Um, and we also have had some really awesome conversations both about both fiction and nonfiction books that we've both enjoyed. Um, so we wanted to do that here, do some book reviews, have the opportunity to discuss the takeaways that we get, and also um, kind of what what challenges we face or, or how it was maybe difficult to apply what we were learning there. Um, and then also the other half of the, of the puzzle would be kind of current events, the, the things that are happening in the world that maybe are flashed up on your screen quite regularly, uh, that you hear uh, the same talking points on wherever you turn, which I, I find really frustrating and annoying in, in today's media culture. Um, and really for, for me at least, that's kind of those two categories um, represent maybe the, the fun parts of school that you don't really find uh, the ability to, to take advantage of in, in adulthood. You don't you know, get to sit down and, and think about current events and, and talk about with them with, with someone intelligent. It's like, again, they're flashed up on your screen. Uh, and you know, maybe, maybe you do really um, enjoy reading and, and set aside time to do that. Um, but if you do, sometimes it's really hard to kind of uh, parse apart all the options that are out there and, and find the books that are uh, really going to be applicable to you and, and really have an impact. Um, so we want to maybe help you do that. Uh, what do you think we're doing here, Tommy? You know, I think what we're doing here is two friends having excellent, wonderful, deep conversations. That was really what I wanted to get out of podcasting, uh, kind of develop myself uh, learn how to speak 
especially after COVID, you know, kind of yeah. being enclosed for a year, getting back out there and being able to have conversations with people is, I think, something that not everybody has. Uh, and especially being able to discuss things that aren't necessarily discussed uh, out in the open. Uh, being able to have those difficult conversations and at the same time also trying to provide solutions to these problems. Uh, you know, with both of our backgrounds as engineers, I think that's truly what we are. We're problem solvers. Uh, and whether that's engineering something new or innovating, it's trying to take the data and use it to the best of our ability uh, and come up with a solution. Uh, so to me, that's what that's what we're doing when we talk about these current events. It's providing solutions and maybe small things that individuals can actually do. Uh, so that's on the current event side. And on the book side, I've always been a avid reader and hope to be a writer one day. But being able to pick apart and find the, you know, one, two, three top things out of a book that, you know, really you and I, or, you know, one of us, it kind of really hit home, you know, being able to, especially in this world where there's so many distractions, if we can parse down some books and even just give you guys a taste of, you know, some of the positive aspects of them, I think that's worthwhile. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. Being able to decide which book to, to, to read, I think a lot of times is, is the struggle for me. There's a little bit of information overload and option overload, just like when you're scrolling through Netflix, you can never quite pick the, the movie. Um, but yeah, and, and I hope we were able to, to get good takeaways for people on that. I, I agree with everything you just said. In a sense, we could kind of be like that uh, the Netflix button that says play something. So it, <laughs> it'll be... Uh, there you go. Read something. <laughs> read something, read something. Well, and uh, I think this could change in the future, so maybe don't hold us to this, but we're going to try to give you, the listener, the opportunity to read along with us if you choose. We're going to be picking these books pretty carefully uh, with regards to reviews and, and people really enjoying having read them. It's going to be all things that we haven't read in the past, I, I feel pretty confident in saying. Um, so. Hopefully, we're going to give you about a month and a half warning uh, on when we're going to be doing the, the podcast and, and reviewing that. So if you'd like to read along with us, please leave a comment. We would love to hear from you. Um, it, would be, it would be really cool to find out that people are, are taking our um, suggestions and, and, and making them a part of their life as well. So, Tommy, um, we kind of got through who we are. We got through what we're doing. Um, and we got through maybe a little bit of uh, the the internet age, but do you have any thoughts on really the what many people might call the era of podcasting? You mentioned Joe Rogan earlier as being a, a, a positive influence for you. He was an early adopter, but now here in 2022, I mean, again, just like with Netflix or, or picking a book, it seems like there's... Um, a really large catalog of podcasts out there. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, so kind of listening to Joe Rogan and hearing him, hey, you should start a podcast, you should start a podcast. <laughs> I think 
it's very cool that we all have a voice now. Um, at the same time, like you said, there is kind of an information overload. So choosing, you know, which of the million podcasts to listen to can sometimes be, again, kind of like that Netflix button. You know, just just put something on. Yeah, but I, I think similarly to reading a book or choosing that Netflix button, you, you've got to do it because you want to improve or learn in that area. Um, so I know I think, especially for, for you and I, um, well, I'll speak for myself. One of the reasons that I was really excited to to start this with you, of course, I want to have good conversation with with some friends. I mean, that's I love that. I, I really live for that. Um, ask my family or friends. I, I'm the person that is always down for a for a four hour conversation. Um, but really, for me, it's it's the thought of being able to uh, deepen my thought processes, deepen uh, you know my understanding of different areas of life. Uh, and, and really develop personally through this platform. Um, and I think a lot of people have taken advantage of this platform to, even if they only build a relatively small audience, um, be able to be responsible to and for some people for something. So we, we both have some expertise in some things that probably aren't best communicated via podcast. Um, but we can both become kind of professional learners here and, and pass that on. And that's, that's really what I'm, I'm so excited for. I'm also very excited to learn, um, you know, because we're going to be reading new books and kind of parsing them through and discussing them and what's most important or, hey, you know, you can skip this chapter. I, I'm very excited to learn. I think what's important in this podcast is that we're doing it in a sense for ourselves. Right, we're we're trying to learn to communicate better, uh, learn to have deep discussions, uh, and of course, you know, I think it'll be there. There will be some ups and downs, kind of like me just stuttering right there. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'll probably say I don't know a lot because I feel like I don't know. I lot. say I'm a lot. It's okay. <laughs> we all make these mistakes. That is another thing. Is I. So I mentioned my background as a, as a biomedical engineer in school. I have shifted away from that industry in my professional life, and I now do sales. Um, and, and being in sales, you heard me say I'm right there. <laughs> being in sales, perfecting your craft is a lot about how you speak to people. So I'm, I'm going to take advantage of recording myself quite often to get better in that area. So it's going to be a work in progress, but I... I feel confident I can do that. And I hear myself saying I'm on the phones and I don't really think it's bad. Uh, but at the same time, I think there's always area for improvement there. And one other thing I will say is you, the listener, here, here's why we hope you tune in. Uh, we want to be able to provide this for people to actually grow in their own lives. Uh, so if there's something that you think we could be doing better, if you think there's something that you would really love to hear us talk about or really want to uh, see us read and, and, and talk to you about, if you had a book that you really struggled with that you want to get some other people to read and, and maybe take apart for you, please leave a comment below. Uh, let us know what that is because uh, we're really excited to engage with our audience um, and 
we don't at the time of this recording have something set up for you to email, but we will be setting up an email for you so that you're able to to reach out to us directly if there's anything uh, that we can do. So, Paul, what's going on with the internet? What's going on with Joe Rogan getting canceled? Joe Rogan getting canceled, man. So that it's it's really interesting to me. It seems like it was incredibly coordinated. Um, the are you most... trying to say the elites get together in a back room? <laughs> And they try and just cancel people that, you know, make a big ruckus. Yes, I think. <laughs> I, you know, it's it's really uh, hard to, to see the source of where these things come from. There was an interesting, I don't have a Twitter. Don't try to reach out to me on Twitter. But I did see a Twitter thread kind of talking about the timeline of all of these events. Uh, and the the video that got released that caused like the third wave of attacks against Joe, um, it, it, you just had to have that one ready because it was a compilation of like tens and tens and tens of episodes and it's taking him out of context in each one. So I can imagine, I mean, the guy's done something like 1700 uh, episodes that are, you know, on, on average, what, two hours and 45 minutes. So you're going to have a heck of a lot of content to find the worst that anyone's ever said. So the fact that they had that ready to go with, with all of this uh, brouhaha hit the fan, it just feels like it was, um, yeah, someone was waiting and then said, oh, Joe's at his weakest. Let's get it out there, see how much damage we can do with it, you know? Do you think canceling really gets rid of people? Um, that's a That's a great question. Uh, I would say, have you seen Morgan Wallen on TV ever? Who's Morgan Wallen? Oh, you don't know who Morgan Wallen is? No. He's like the number one country art music artist in the world. Uh, oh. He was another part of a um, brouhaha because he was caught on a ring camera um, drunk going home at like 3 a.m. And he's he's white. He's a country music artist. He's got a bunch of white friends and uh he was caught saying the the n-word on his way into his house on a ring camera that the neighbor then released uh so he got uninvited to the grammys and he got canceled off x y and z but he still continued to like win i I don't know the number of grammys i don't actually watch those stupid shows anymore but he is a very prominent person who was quote-unquote canceled he, he wasn't allowed in polite society essentially um the fans still voted with their you know listens that he's the best country music art artist uh but yeah i i think that canceling doesn't fully get rid of someone um but it just makes it i mean i don't know it, it depends on the level because i i think if you look for Alex Jones, you're not going to find Alex Jones unless you you know, you know you know what his website is. I think they canceled him really effectively. Um, but most of the people in the quote unquote mainstream that they're canceling, they're okay if they kind of uh, survive a little bit. They just don't want them being literally mainstreamed anymore. Of you know uh, having prominent people promoting them ever. Now I guess that's you know talking about celebrities. But what about, you know, not well-known people? What about people mm. that, you know, well, say then, yeah. say something dumb on the internet or, you know, a video yeah. of them is comes out? Yeah, there's, I think 
that yes, uh, the media can really effectively decide that someone won't be heard from. And that's, that's definitely scary. Um, I mean, the fact that, you know, Google, I, I, you might have to correct me here, but Google owns YouTube, Facebook owns Instagram, and then we've got Twitter, I mean, and, and then Apple, I guess, overall as a researcher, and Amazon for Amazon Web Services. If those, what is that, five companies uh, make the decision that you're not allowed in plate society, it's, it's very difficult to, to be seen or heard. So why would someone get canceled? What do you think's going on right now? Man, are we are we really doing this episode zero here? Um, okay. What do I think is going on right now? I think that there is a concerted effort by many on the left in this country to shift the Overton window and not allow certain thoughts to be expressed. Um, if you are classically conservative in a lot of ways, if you're, say, pro-traditional marriage, say, pro-life, say, there's a lot of things that I could that I could say there. The left would like you not to be, those opinions, the left would like those opinions to not be allowed in polite society. So for the vast majority of, you know, American history, the, the history of the media, um, I mean, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama in 2008 ran on the pro-traditional marriage platform. So just literally in the last 14 years, that has gotten pushed. Now, if you say that you support traditional marriage, you're, you know, say you're the CEO of Chick-fil-A or whatever the heck, there are concerted efforts not only here, but also abroad, to shut down your company, to boycott your company, uh, because you're a hateful person, you know, and you're not allowed to, to have that view. Um, so I, that's that's a very high level example of what's going on. But really, it's the canceling isn't coming from the right. The only times you see that. So another very good uh, example of something in the news recently was Whoopi Goldberg. Right. Um, have you have you seen that? I believe I know a little bit about that situation, but tell me I'll more. Give, I'll give you a little bit of background on it. So basically, on The View, which is a, a, a panel show of, of five women, pretty traditionally pretty far left, usually there's about one conservative that actually sits about in the middle of the political spectrum. They were talking, and Whoopi Goldberg said the Holocaust wasn't about race. It wasn't about race. It wasn't about race. And what she was saying is that, well, that was a group of white people that did it to another group of white people. Because she said, in her mind, she can only believe that race has to do with being able to see a difference between skin colors. Um, so that was, you know, her point. Um, and she got lambasted all across uh, conservative media and a lot of liberal media as well saying, okay, you can't say the Holocaust wasn't about race. I mean, it was literally because Hitler said we want to exterminate the Jewish race. Like, nope, you can't get away with that one. Sorry. Um, so she got suspended for two weeks. There were a lot of people on the right wing that were also calling and saying she shouldn't have a platform. Um, you know, she should, she should be canceled, essentially, is what they were calling for. But that reaction doesn't come from the right in the in, in this country 
that is a reaction to the cancel culture that has really been instituted over the last, say, six to eight years by the left by saying, no, your opinion isn't worthy of being in the mainstream. You know, it, it kind of, Alex Jones is kind of the, um, the godfather of being canceled. He's like the original one. There are a couple others that are kind of extremists on the right. But yeah, I, I, I really, you know, you ask what's going on. There, there's a lot of things happening behind the scenes that I hope we have the opportunity to get into when it comes to um, some of the future current events that we're going to talk about. Um, one thing that just recently happened that I think will have an impact on it, believe it or not, may not seem connected when I say it, but the U.S. just passed $30 trillion in debt, uh, in, in the national debt. Um, I think that there is a lot of money behind the scenes as well that has a lot of influence in how the media talks to us now. So, so I've been monologuing for like five minutes. You know, oh, no, it's all good. Here. <laughs> all good, all good. I was just listening intently. Mm-hmm. And uh, what, I, what I think you're saying is that one one side is tending to try and get rid of the voices of the other side. Is that, maybe that's, that's, so what confuses me is why they're going after people for their thoughts. I can't say it's 1984-ish because I haven't read the book all the way through. (laughs) But uh, from what I've heard about the book, uh, the idea of, you know, kind of, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. The, so, I guess there are a couple of things that I, I kind of, I, I know what you might be, be getting at. I think one is that another thing that has been going on a lot is um, the left wing will, in the media, the corporations, and the the politicians that kind of occupy the same side there have a incredibly good unison are, are in, in incredible unison when messaging about certain things, including when they change the definition of words. Um, I haven't read the the book yet. There's a, a book out by some, by a political commentator uh, named Michael Knowles, who talks about um, controlling words, controlling minds is the subtitle of his book. Um, and I think if I'm to understand it correctly, the left wing does a really good job of appropriating words and then changing the definition to fit what they want it to mean right now. Um, one example of this would be court packing. I think that's the that's the easiest to understand because it was so blatant and so in sync um, during Donald Trump's pres- presidency. He had the chance to fill a lot of open court seats around different courts and also put in three Supreme Court justices, which is a ton for any president to do, especially in a four-year term. Um, The left said that he was packing the courts, when throughout all of American history before that, packing the court, specifically talking about the Supreme Court, means adding new seats so that you can change the bias of the court. So right now, it's either a 5-4 or a 6-3, depending on how you spin it. I kind of think our chief justice is more left than right. Um, but what court packing would mean is if, uh, if a Democrat gets in, then 
they say, hey, now, you know, we're going to make it 13 seats rather than nine. And, you know, here are the four justices. Boom. It's a liberal court. Then, you know, then when a Republican gets back in, they would say, OK, we're going to add, you know, six more seats. We're going from 13 to 19. Add conservatives and boom, it's a conservative court. Um, the left changed the definition of court packing uh, right around the time when Biden got into office to mean filling vacancies. So they said Trump already packed the court, so we should too, talking about expanding the number of seats. So there, there was a probe opened about, hey, should we add seats to the court? Should we not? Um, and it came back and kind of told Biden, it would, it would be pretty bad for the court if we added seats because it would destabilize it. And what I just said would come to pass. There would be no reason for a conservative next time they were in office to not do the exact same thing. And all of a sudden we've got 101 Supreme Court justices. That's just one example. There are a lot. That's the first one that comes to mind. But um, changing words was something that was in, I, I always get it confused if it was A Brave New World or uh, 1984, the Witch Orwell book. Um, but there was, there's a department in the government, um, I think it was a brave new world, um, that puts out the new definitions of words all the time. And so if, if words don't have meaning, then you can't have honest and, and direct and true conversations. You can't speak about the truth if you can change the word to mean what it currently doesn't. I think, uh, what I was trying to get to was... Pretty much on those lines. So maybe we could we could read one of those books. I haven't read. Uh, if I I might have read um, a Brave New World a long time ago, but I, I would love to to read some Orwell and have a have a thoughtful discussion about it. Yeah, and just uh, you know compare it to what's going on in our in our current world, maybe. Yeah. So going back to the internet discussion, because uh, we kind of we strayed a little bit from there. <laughs> That'll happen. Oh, for sure. Listener. We 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 quite often have these great conversations, and we get a little bit off the path, but we find our way back. Ideally, I mean, <laughs> if we if we don't, just you know, turn it off and come back for the next episode. Roll with the punches here. <laughs> um, social media. So you had mentioned that you didn't have a Twitter. <laughs> What's the reasoning behind that? Everybody has a Twitter. I I think that used to be true. Uh, I don't think that's that's true now. I've been a big advocate of get off social media for a while, um, and most of my friends were not listening to me when I was yelling at them. But it was pretty funny. I think I had some good subliminal messaging because then every time they would tell me about a bad interaction on Twitter or any other social media, I would just say delete it. Um, but I really think that the <laughs> the atmosphere it creates of it gives you the instant gratification and the kind of the dopamine hit that drugs give you or anything else when you get the likes, when you get the retweets, whatever that is. Um, but it doesn't create a true interaction between humans. Uh, it does something entirely different. I think Twitter in particular is incredibly toxic because of the, the limited word count that you get. You know, we're, we're having an hour long podcast uh, because long form allows you to get into the depths of things. Twitter specifically does not allow that. And I, I don't have the source in front of me. I would have to do a little research to find it. But basically, the emotion that creates the 
biggest reaction with the most people is anger. So in order to have the best results, you have to tweet the angriest stuff. So I, I think that it's a, it's really a terrible invention, Twitter in particular. Um, I think some other social medias have value. Uh, I understand what that value is, but I don't think that value is a net positive for its users' lives. Um, in particular, you're giving up 100% of your privacy. I mean, the fact that Facebook was tracking you across apps for a decade um, and, you know, advertising directly to you, selling your data to advertisers. Um, if you're not paying for the service, you are the, the service. I, I really think that social media has probably damaged more lives and relationships than it's brought together. What do you think about, about it? Well, I think, you know, sitting at the lunch table in eighth grade, everybody's hopping on Twitter. Oh, this is what I had for lunch. It, it started out as one thing and then it morphed into something else. Um, I also deleted my, well, I didn't delete my Twitter, but I just don't use it. Uh, it's not on my phone. And maybe I'll hop in there once every couple months uh, just to post something silly. But essentially, I've gotten rid of it. And it's been it's been good, right? I don't see the negativity. Most of what I saw was not anything from any of my friends or any of the people that I follow. It was stuff from random accounts. And most of it just made me upset or annoyed. And then I would want to argue and... I think that was part of the goal, right? Uh, I think in general, the idea behind social media, right? You and me can interact and we're millions of miles away. It, it's a pleasant idea. But in reality, it's, it's taking away the actual mode of communication. When you only, when you only have 160 characters or 120 you can't actually have a discussion. You also don't know the intonation in which people are saying something. Uh, you don't know if someone's angry or upset or if they're being satirical, right? I think that's some of the issues with Twitter and, you know, maybe Facebook. Uh, just the, the lack of context. Uh, when it comes to social media like uh, Instagram, I think the problems with that are that it's representing a false reality you're seeing only the best parts only what people want you to see and i think this is directly impactful to young women or i guess girls uh who are seeing this and you know going through puberty and i've never been a girl going through puberty so i, I guess i couldn't really know but from what I've heard, it's, you know, if you're seeing all the fun people are having and, and you're not, and then you're asking yourself, well, why aren't I? You know, it, it, it can be mentally harming. Uh, and I think that's what most of these social media yeah. platforms are really doing. It's uh, affecting mental health in, in ways we probably can't fully comprehend yet. Well, so there's a there's a double-edged sword there that I, I think is important to, to note, too, which is, yes, the, the reality that everyone is, is putting out there to represent themselves is perfectly curated to show the best version of their lives. And I think 
what's really interesting is I think 2020 and beyond, um, a lot of people have kind of been drawing attention to that and saying, you know, whether it's a woman posting with kind of, you know, belly rolls and saying, look, you know, we, we all, life is an Instagram, right? We all have stretch marks, whatever that is. That's helpful. That's great. Um, kind of take away that perfectly curated image that everyone is putting out there. But the other side of it is that these social media companies uh, get paid by their advertisers. You know, you're, you're the content, you're, you're what's being sold. But in order to, for them to, to maximize profit, they have to maximally engage you. So that means these algorithms are built to be as addictive as possible so that you stay on there as much as possible. So those advertisers get their products in front of those eyes as much as possible so that Mark Zuckerberg gets as rich as he can. That, that to me is what is the, the real danger is, is this combination of presenting this as if it's reality when it's not and make it as hard as possible for these younger people to get off of, to, to stay away from. I mean, I, I would love to, and I mean, even when Facebook did an analysis on what it does to teenage girls' mental health, oh, it found out that it was terrible for them. And what did they do? Buried the study until it was found later on, you know, with, I think, an investigation. I'd need to look up how that ended up coming out. But they didn't just open up the study and say, oh, guys, hey, keep your daughters off of our uh, our platform. Yeah, that, that didn't happen. And don't get me wrong. I, I don't have an inherent bias against capitalism. I think that the capital motive with these tech platforms that interact really intimately with our lives uh, has been very dangerous, and we haven't gotten the right solution to how to integrate those things together. I think that you kind of mentioned it earlier what the what one potential solution is, and that's don't use it, right? But that's easy. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's easier said than done, right? I mean, when you are addicted to something, it does not make it easy to, you know, just quit. I mean, that's kind of what no, the it, what it the addiction it does. It makes it important to quit. If you're someone that casually uses social media and gets on Twitter, you know, once a week and scrolls through and you're only following 20 accounts and, you know, a couple of them are your buddies, a couple of them are some, you know, celebrities you're a big fan of or that give you motivation in your in your craft. I don't think that there's any reason for you to delete your Twitter. But if you're on it for an hour and a half every single day and it's taking away from opportunities you have professionally or it's taking away from relationships that you have or, you know, you're not living the best life you could because you're engaging with this platform, then you need to have the the willpower to say, I need to walk away from this. And maybe, I mean, I think, you know, it's funny, I'm Catholic. We haven't gotten into into religions here, but I know... Um, It'll it'll be a, a big part of kind of uh, what my worldview comes from. Um, I think the tradition of Lent, of walking away from things that are kind of important attachments you have in the world, like, you know, these days, whether it's social media or Netflix or any of those things that are, you know, I think in, in large part screens, um, being able to say, I'm going to take a break from this and I'm going to, you know, focus on the old ways, whether that's just reading or getting back out into nature or whatever that is, 
I think there's so much value there. And because there's been kind of a great walking away from religion, there's been a huge loss in that knowledge that you need to let go of some of these uh, things that you, you get really attached to. I think that's a very interesting perspective that maybe evolutionarily, right? It was kind of, and I don't mean to put religion into evolution, but clearly they've stuck around for some time. And I think it's interesting that it is something important, right? To to walk away, to get away from some of these things, to even take a break. I've heard some things on dopamine detox and I know at times when I was an entire weekend just on YouTube, right? Get hung over Friday night after going out with buddies and then lay in bed all day Saturday. End up going out that night and then all day Sunday was just more YouTube, more video games. Being able to take a break from that and understand that maybe more is not better. Maybe. You know, everything you should have and everything in moderation. Yes, that's the thing I was thinking of. Absolutely. See, I could see it, but I just couldn't say it. I understand that. (laughs) Yeah, I I agree with you. Um, Definitely, that art has been lost, I think, in general, especially in our age group, um, you know, early to mid-20s, and especially the younger kids. I think... One thing that our generation will go through, and I don't know at what speed, um, but in order to be successful and to be healthy as adults, we're going to have to go through some, I don't really know how to say it, but reverting to past traditions that were given up by our parents and by us early in life. Because we're, we're going to be inundated with these new technologies and these new possibilities. Uh, and if we try to engage with them all, uh, we're just going to collapse. That's that's my very high-level, somewhat mysterious prediction, though. I think you're right. Technology has progressed faster than evolution has set us up for it. I don't think people... I don't think most people are ready for the amount of information available. And because it can become overwhelming and, you know, diseases of despair, suicide, overdoses, drug addiction... Um, I guess those three are kind of the same, but they've increased in the past few years. And is that due to, you know, COVID or is it due to, you know, you see everything bad that happens, right? You pull up a feed and it's, okay, well, this shitty thing happened. This happened over in this other country. I don't know that we're built to handle all of that. Yeah, I feel pretty confident in saying that we are not built. For all of that, I for me, I, I think it was pretty jarring for both of us last year, and it, it was uh, another one of the things that motivated us to to really start this was last um, August, watching how the U.S. pulled out of um, Afghanistan. Um, some of the jarring footages of you know Afghan citizens. Um, being caught on landing gear as planes were taking off and then, you know, falling to their death um, and seeing, um, you know, who we were told for 20 years were our enemies uh, using the bases that we had set up and using our workout rooms and our facilities and taking our military equipment and using it 
taking joy rides in helicopters. All of that was so overwhelming, at least for me. I know that there were images, you know, that my parents and grandparents' generation saw with the fall of Saigon um, in Vietnam that had similar visceral reactions. But the difference is they didn't watch it for weeks and weeks and weeks on social media. Twitter allowed us to have the direct stream by those purported enemies taking videos and taking pictures post-victory. And that was, yeah, that, that just really was so incredibly jarring. That was one of those situations where it's like, well, what do I do? Because I feel like I've personally been attacked here. And that's, you know, that, of course, that's crazy, but that's what this technology allows me to feel like. I think you're right on the money. Well, good. Love it when I'm right on the money. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, uh, I promised that we would be wrapping at about an hour for our listeners. Um, what closing thoughts do you have? Is there anything that you want to leave them with on our conversation with the Internet? on the introduction to who we are and what we're doing um, to close us out? So, like I said before, uh, I think we're problem solvers, right? We can take a look at a bunch of data and, you know, try and try and determine what the best solutions are. Uh, and I think the problems that we've somewhat outlined are that maybe people aren't capable of handling everything that's thrown at us. Uh, and I think one potential solution is time limits on your phone. Uh, I know that I set stuff up for Instagram and Facebook, the social media platforms that I use, and it's 15 minutes a day. All right, so I'm on and I'm using it and scrolling through and and then uh, it pops up and it says your time limit has been reached. All right, now this only, this potential solution only works in the event that you actually don't skip, okay, well, not not for today. Uh, I know there's definitely been days where I've done that. But if the idea is that maybe there's too much out there and maybe sometimes we need a break, that maybe we don't always need voices in our head or, uh, and and I mean, you know, either music or listening to podcasts or things like that, maybe it's okay to take a break. And being able to set stuff up on your phone, the technology's right there, to limit your usage might be one step in the right direction. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and I'll take it in a slightly different direction. Um, if you're a little bit older uh, audience member where you have uh, a young child or a teenager, um, don't give them the opportunity to get on these these platforms. There's no reason for kids to ha be having to engage with the entire world in this way. Um, and like we talked about, there's there's a lot of danger with um, people that are still kind of coming into their identity in being shown this world where everyone is so secure in their identity. Um, and otherwise, just delete it. If, if you're not using it for something that you see um, is clearly bettering your life. Trust me, uh, you'll have that little bit of uh, an instinctive urge for a little bit, and you're going to try to click where that icon used to be on your phone. 
Um, but that goes away and your life gets better. So just get rid of it. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, it's yep. uh, if it's not there, I mean, it's kind of like one of the, it's one of the higher level countermeasures that I know I use as an engineer, uh, you know, eliminate. If it's not, if it's not something that can even cause a problem, then it won't. It sure won't. That's right. Yeah. And, and the other thing that I'll leave people with is, well, the other thing I was going to say is encourage people that you know that have young kids to just really be aware about the, the technology they're putting in, in front of their faces. Because I think that um, there are plenty of, of parents and babysitters that use an iPad as a pacifier. Um, and it's not a pacifier. <laughs> don't don't use it for that. And you know, I shouldn't be on a soapbox. I don't I don't have children. I understand that. But um, I think that we, the generation that experienced social media as it was coming out, were a little bit of test dummies with with what it would do, and we saw what it did. And so let's let's learn from that lesson. Um, and the other thing that I'll say is just have have deeper conversations than than the surface. Um, if you have someone that you care about, engage with them. Maybe maybe use something that we're talking about in the current events as uh, kind of a, a launching off point. Say, hey, um, have you heard about the term court packing? Do you, do you know what that means? Isn't that crazy? Whatever it is that you know you had as a takeaway, try to try to engage with someone and, and have a deeper conversation and, and see where it gets and leave a comment for us because we'd love to hear about it. Uh, one final closing note, uh, our next podcast, uh, so tune in next time is, uh, seven habits of highly effective people. Uh, Paul and I, Paul is still to finish it, but he'll be finishing it soon enough. And, uh, you know, we're very excited to discuss that book. I know I found a lot of it very intriguing and, you know, some of the, some of the opinions that I've heard of other people that have read it have been like, well, it was kind of a, a long a long thing to get through, you know, it wasn't the most engaging. Uh, so maybe, maybe we can, uh, break it down into smaller digestible pieces. Change that perception a little bit. I agree. I think Stephen Coboy, um, has incredible insight into the human condition and, uh, yeah, I'm very excited to discuss it with you after I get through these last two habits. Woohoo! Yay. All right, Tommy, it's been a lot of fun. I will talk with you next time. All right, sir. All right. Have a good one, sir. You too.